Welcome to another of the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Paul Borges. Paul is a couples counsellor and lecturer in counselling at Avondale College of Higher Education. The topic is about couples as they transition to retirement. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for being available today. My pleasure, Bruce. Talking about transition into retirement, is it best to see it just as another transition? Because they've already been through several transitions, I'd imagine. Yes, I think if we look at uh, lifespan development, if we look at all of the different stages that not only individuals go through, but families go through, I think it makes a lot of sense to see this as yet another transition, often a little bit harder, I think, than some of the other transitions. Um, and, and, and I think part of that is because people actually don't realise that this is going to be a, a very significant transition, not just from going to being employed to being retired, but actually the implications that that has for the relationship and for the marriage. Okay. The fact that they're now together, is that part of the problem? The fact that they're now together without any buffer between them. I like that. No buffer. Yes. There's nothing to absorb the frustrations. They actually have to face each other and deal with each other. And some couples do that by then just closing down and stonewalling and using some pretty bad communication techniques. Previously, where there was a disagreement and somebody got cranky, they went to work and were able to connect with people at work and have fun and forget about it and let it go. They also, our favourite pastime of couples is to triangle in the kids and to put all the attention and energy into how do we deal with our kids and that can also be a great way to avoid how to deal with each other. And how to talk to each other. And how to talk to each other. When all that's gone, it's suddenly we're it, this is it, what do we do with this and what do we do with each other? And sometimes our partner has changed so much since we last checked in to see what they were like that we hardly recognise them. Yeah. So how does that happen? Why does it happen? I think it happens because of the biological changes that occur to us and one of the reasons that we may struggle to actually know who our partner is is because perhaps for the last 20 or 30 years there haven't been a lot of deep and meaningful conversations. All the conversations have been about kids or about work or about who's buying the bread or who's paying the rent or who's mowing the lawn or who's mopping the floors. But how many conversations have there been about, hey, how is our marriage looking? How mm-hmm. how are we dealing with each other? And now suddenly they actually got to face each other and they may have forgotten how to do that or never actually learned how to do that. Yes, yes. Just remind us, what kind of transitions are there in a marriage? How would you list them? I think one of the very significant ones is from going as a young couple, that transition from a young couple to a young family. And the first five years of the life of the first child is shown, is correlated with some of the lowest levels of marital satisfaction. Is that so? So, so when couples together and just able to enjoy each other and then suddenly whirlwind arrives called the baby. <laughs> yes. And it changes everything. And yes. couples say, oh, well, a baby's not going to change our life. We're going to keep doing what we've always done. 
And, you know, many of us who hear that just smile because we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby will take over and the baby will become the centre of, of that family system. Yes. So then there's all the tasks of child rearing. I guess the next stage is the transition from young children to older children as older children are starting to become adults. And sometimes couples really struggle with that because the two members of the couple have very different views on how adolescents and late adolescents should be treated. Sure. One person says, look, they're adults, let them do whatever they like. The other says, not under my roof. These are the rules of my house and nobody does this under my roof. And sometimes yes. yeah, there can be very different views on how we should deal with 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Yeah. So there are certainly stages of life we go through as couples. Is there an ideal way for couples to prepare for retirement? I don't know about an ideal way, but the word that comes to mind for me, Bruce, is the word dream. Okay. To be able to say to ourselves and to each other, what can we do? What would we like to do? What would you like to do? What do we need to do? And be wary in those conversations of only listing what has to be done after retirement because that causes boredom. Yes. Make a budget, if at all possible, leave room for enjoyment rather than just survival. Obviously, that's going to be easier for some couples than others, but there should always be a little bit left for the things that we just want to do rather than the things that we have to do. But the key word for me here is dreaming and be able to dream together. And that process should start certainly some years before retirement actually takes place. Put a number on those years, just as a suggestion. I think about the same time that couples start to talk about retirement, you know, when we start counting years, when we go, okay, I've got eight years to retirement, seven years to retirement, that's the time to start dreaming together about how we're going to do retirement together and what's the best way of us spending the 10, 15, 20 years, however long we've got after retirement while our health is still good. What if there's disagreement? How do they handle that? There will be disagreement. There very oh, okay. likely will be dis- disagreement. <laughs> All right. Uh, what I meant to say was, when they disagree, how do they handle that? I thought that's what you meant to say, when there's disagreement, because there will be. I think the important thing is not to lose sight of the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is we love each other dearly. We've been together for 50 years, and this small thing that we are disagreeing right now is small compared to the depth of our love, compared to our shared history, compared to everything that we have done together, everything that we've built, everything that we're planning and dreaming about. And sometimes I ask couples when they're in conflict with each other to ask themselves a very, I think, somewhat challenging question. And the question is, what's more important for me right now? Yes. To figure out a way of managing this between us or is it important for me to win? Okay. And to be very honest with each other. Do I need to win on this and why do I need to win? Is this a hill I'm prepared to die on? What is the price I'm prepared to pay to die on this hill? And in the bigger scheme of things, how much does it actually matter if I just simply shrug my shoulders and go, okay, I can live with that? So it's really look at the big picture. It's look at the big picture. And the big picture is we've got lots of years together. We've got lots of history together. Therefore, this little thing, will it really matter that much if I don't get my way here? Will it really matter that much? 
If we, however, see marriage as about power and control and I need to have a certain amount of power in this marriage, mm-hmm. then we'll fight to the death and it may be the death of the marriage. I'm assuming if couples really haven't known each other well and suddenly get to retirement, there are going to be real issues. It depends, I guess, on what kind of patterns they have got into. But certainly we know that one of the things that makes marriages harder is stress. And there are a certain amount of stressors that happen with the onset of retirement. Yes. There are financial stressors, there are relational stressors. So couples who haven't yet figured out how to deal with stress could uh, find that this seriously impacts their relationship. Okay, so it really is... Spend time talking about it, planning it, making sure you're on the same page. And being honest with the other person rather than just saying what we think the other person wants to hear and not quickly abandoning the process. Simply say, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it and just walking out of the room and away from the negotiating table. I think the skill is to be able to continue to engage in the conversation even if we're not overly enjoying the conversation, as long as it's not escalating, we need to continue to engage in it until we find a way of managing the situation. We may not be able to solve it, but managing the situation in a way that both of us can live with. Okay. So, Paul, here are the couple. Things have changed. You know, there's the old joke about twice as much husband, half as much money. (laughs) So how do they actually get into this discussion and sort it through? I think the key of it you've already mentioned, discussion, the word discussion, how do we communicate okay. about it? I think in that communication, there's probably a couple of things to keep in mind. One is that healthy marriages are always about a balance between separateness and togetherness. And I think when a couple is retired, it's still important for them to keep that balance between separateness and togetherness, for them to be able to each individually have activities that they do with their friends, and not all of that has to be done together. In fact, it's healthy for her to have some things that she does and for him to have some things that he does that the partner doesn't feel they have to be part of, as well as shared activities Mm -hmm. that they both can enjoy where they can celebrate the common ground. So I guess it's about celebrating individuality as well as togetherness. So this is what I enjoy doing and... I have people to do it with because I know you would hate it and vice versa. And these are the things that we do together well and I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else as much as I'd want to do it with you. Okay, but talk about the healthiness of separateness because I think some may question that. Yeah, I think couples that do everything together and feel they need to do everything together are really in danger of developing, I think, quite a toxic and nauseous relationship. Okay. This idea that... I can't live without you and I need you by my side every moment of the day is pathological. It's not healthy. (laughs) It's sounding a bit controlling, actually, yes. Well, it can be. And in domestic violence relationships, for example, or abusive relationships, there is no place for separateness. And that enmeshment becomes actually quite dangerous. So I would argue that healthy marriages have three entities, him, her, and us. And it's about how do you nurture each one of those three. Okay, and encourage each other in what they're doing, I'd assume. Very much so, very much so. That means he may say to her, yep, happy for you to go and do that because, as you know, I'm not into that particular activity. That wouldn't do much for me at all. But he will be supportive and he will show interest when she comes home, even though it's not his particular activity and vice versa, I think. That shows care and concern and love for our partner when we can get excited about the fact that they got excited about something that would bore us silly. That sounds like the ideal marriage, doesn't it? 
we're trying to paint a picture of the ideal for us to head toward and to work towards. Okay, let me ask you the last question. Where do they go if they think they need help? I really believe that if couples get stuck, there should be no shame attached to go and talking to a professional. We don't have that problem so much when it comes to our medical condition. We go and talk to somebody if something is going wrong physiologically, but we seem to have a real struggle when something isn't going well relationally or emotionally Mm. about going and seeking help from people who are well-trained and experienced and who can offer help. We know that couples counselling helps. 70% of people report that it's been helpful to them. That's not a bad result. And uh, compared to the effect sizes of the medicines that we regularly take from our doctors, counselling is actually shown to be at least as helpful and more helpful than many of the medicines that we take. So we know that counselling works and we know that counselling is helpful. There will also be some skilled lay people. Yes who might have some skills in pastoral care or pastoral counselling. They may have skills in relationships. They may be able to listen well, give some wise counsel, as well as just help and give support. Often what couples do is they turn to family, and family invariably will take the side of the family member, and that can often make things very messy. Okay. Also, disclosing indiscriminately to close friends can also drive a wedge between the couple because now one person feels that the other person has got people on their side that they thought were neutral in the conflict. So I think personally, and I guess I'm biased, Bruce, because I'm a couples (laughs) counsellor, but so often these couples can attend two or three sessions of couple counselling. That can be enough to get them unstuck. So you and people like you are there to help and can help? All of us, I think, who are couples counsellors can tell numerous stories of where couples fairly quickly have been able to get back into enjoying their marriage and enjoying each other. Some of us can even tell stories of those who came to us later in life on the brink of divorce, already separated, and ended up spending another 15, 20 years together before one of the partners died. And that's just great. Mm. And I think we'll finish on that point. Hey, thanks, Paul. I've been talking to Paul Borges, who is a couples counsellor and lecturer in counselling at Avondale College of Higher Education. And thanks to you for listening to this RetireNotes.com podcast. Podcast.